For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. <laughs> Damn it, first for you. Bang, oh! Somebody tell him he's a rookie. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Jesse Cassier with you. My co-host, Alex Acker, will be here in just a minute. And we have a very special guest, Andrew Greif of the LA Times. He covers the Clippers for the Times. He's a great writer, great guy. We have a really fun show for you upcoming, talking about the Clippers restarting the season. Of course, a tough 103-101 loss against the Lakers. Uh, just the start of getting things going for the Clips. And, uh, you know, it was a really fun night of basketball pelicans jazz game was really good as well and before both games we saw you know the continuation of the support for racial justice and fighting against systemic racism and police brutality with all players and coaches and officials and everyone in attendance kneeling uh, and locked arm in arm together it was really powerful sight to see we've seen the message be continued from the players as well so that has been really an incredible sight to see and a you know, kudos to the NBA for continuing to to keep that at the forefront and keep that message going as we get back into some minor sense of normalcy with basketball continuing. But uh, basketball is back, and we have a lot to talk about. So we mentioned Andrew Greif is here, Alex Acker, my co-host. We're here. We're not going to waste any time. So let's get into it here on the Believe in Clippers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, so we're here on the Believe in Clippers podcast. Jesse Cass and Alex Acker here. We're very lucky and happy to have. Andrew Greif from the LA Times covers the Clippers, does a tremendous job. So, Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us here. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. And, and Andrew, we, uh, we're officially back. Basketball is continued. Of course, the Clippers and Lakers took on each other last night with the Lakers winning a close one. Before we get to that, I know you're in the bubble in Orlando right now. I'm just curious, what, what has that experience been like for you as, as a reporter in the bubble? We've seen a lot from the players, but what, what's life been like for you so far? Yeah, it's, it's been really um, interesting in my limited view. And I say that because there's like a little distinction. So I am, I can go into the bubble for games, um, but otherwise I'm living outside of it. So it's this odd thing where there's a certain amount of people who, as long as they test negative, often they, um, they can go in and watch games in person, but all interaction ends there like all my interviews are done on zoom so last night i'm watching a game in person i've traveled you know 2500 miles yeah and yet when the game ends all the players leave the court and i turn on zoom and i start interacting with you know players and coaches on my computer so it's an odd it's an odd thing while the other journalists who are sitting below me literally below me in a different level of the grandstands they get to go talk to the coaches um etc in person so that has been that kind of divide between, uh, you know, those in the bubble who've you know been tested much more frequently than we have, and those of us just outside of it, and kind of where sometimes, like even if you're walking to the restaurant for food at games, like how sometimes those those lines mix a little bit. Um, it's been really interesting to see the bubble in action, and we've seen that the, there's been so far, obviously 
very good news that there's been no positive tests so far in the past two weeks and, and how that's gone. And we finally did get basketball, as we saw with the, with the Clippers and Lakers taking part in that first game. Uh, what were your impressions just of how the Clippers looked in the first game? Obviously falling a little bit short with LeBron getting that tip in at the end, but uh, just the overall impressions from the first game, real game we've seen in basically four months. Yeah, I, I think that it was, um, you could kind of look at it both ways. One is that it really showed how far they have to go and how much they missed Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams. Like we knew that going in, of course, but it just felt like in the first half, it wasn't even beyond their absence. They were just choppy. The fouling was um, out of control. And I know that people took issue with Scott Foster, for example, <laughs> but there were still a lot of fouls. Um, and I thought some of it could probably be attributed to miscommunication of, you know, maybe a guy was a step slow. So a guy had to over rotate, maybe, you know, be in a position where he would otherwise would not have been and, and fouled. Um, but then I felt like as the game went on and they played so much better in the third quarter, um, I thought you kind of made me think, okay, if they're able to cause the Lakers who have been cohesive for essentially the entire time they've been in Florida um, and they're still down two of their best players, that should, that should suggest to me that the Clippers are in pretty good position um, despite not having continuity, despite missing two six-man-of-the-year candidates. And they still pushed Lakers um, to the final seconds. I, I think that means that their ceiling is just as high as we thought it was in March when the season ended um, because you could see this team going up another level when they get those guys back. I thought it was really interesting, like you said, to see kind of the the rust factor for both teams. And I think – obviously a little bit amplified for the Clippers for not only missing Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, like you mentioned, but Shaman, of course, coming in late, Zubat's coming in late, Morris coming in late. You kind of saw the rust on, on all of those role players and uh, the struggles that they had in the ball game. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think we're all still waiting for Marcus Morris to get going, shooting the ball. Um, his size is still something on defense that I think lends itself um, to be a help for the Clippers, but you know, the reason why they traded for him was that he would be a floor spacer, you know, in the way that Maurice Harkless was not. You know, I think people knew that you could, um, you may play off Mo just a little bit in the corner, et cetera. And the hope was that with Marcus, he would draw you out. You had to be honest with him. That has not been the case so far because although teams know that they have to be semi-honest in terms of knowing he's going to take the shot, I think he's still shooting in the in the 20%, 29%, 28% three-point range since he joined the team so for some reason that just has not fallen for him and that's been certainly a disappointment so far um and I think with the other role players you know Russ is obviously um, going to be expected and, and frankly with Shaman I'm really curious to see with Lou out and even when he comes back and obviously he has to work through his own rust you know whether Shaman's role could grow as we get closer to the playoffs because in March if you guys remember his role was really shrunk down and he was not getting very many minutes. And it was kind of like, okay, if the roster is fully healthy, what is his place? He was so valuable for so long, but now what was both Reggie Jackson there and Lou, that second unit. So he's, he's someone who, when he gets his legs back under him, I'm really curious to see what his role is going to be long-term. And it was interesting to see doc go to Shamit kind of late in that ball game of, I believe just under two minutes left when, you know, Patrick Beverly had such a good stint in that fourth quarter and he sat late in the ball game and, and Reggie Jackson was struggling that Doc still went with, with Shamit. And, and who knows if some of that is just kind of 
either trying to build up Shamit's confidence or maybe playing some of his cards close for what we all expect is going to be a future matchup between these two in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is something, this is the fourth meeting. I think we could all anticipate seeing these two teams play again for seven games. So there is, I'm sure, some gamesmanship that knowing this game was kind of odd, that it's the, the first official game back and things, the pieces aren't all the way together, that, um, yeah, I'm sure that he didn't want to suggest, you know, the way they're going to go, all the wrinkles he'll show. But I was really, I, personally, I mean, with all that said and how difficult that game must have been from a continuity standpoint and just how odd the environment was. I thought the basketball was pretty good for um, most of the second half. I, I thought it was a really fun game to, to obviously watch in person, but even if I'd been watching on TV, I think it would have been fun. I'm curious what your perspective was like watching at home, but it, in the arena, it was, um, you could tell there was a very competitive, when, when there'd be calls that would be missed, players would get very angry and very vocal and the, the two benches them. yeah oh yeah the two benches would start to would kind of start talking to the reps like whoa 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 and so i i don't know how much of that comes through but you could tell they wanted it this was not a warm-up game in any sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no i think uh at least on the tv side of things you you can see players complaining like they normally would, but I don't think you could hear it to the level that I'm sure you could in the arena. I think all the production noise and, you know, the announcers and everything takes away from that. But I think you've got the, uh, the primetime seat there with getting to hear kind of the uncensored version of everything going down on the court. Yeah. I, I, and my lead and my story this morning um, was one of those moments where, you know, it's so quiet at times with, there is some crowd noise. There is some, it comes in, but it's, it fades pretty quickly into the background. But during free throws, for example, it's just dead silent. There's nothing playing. There's no noise. And so there was a break and play in the second quarter when Alex Crusoe drove the lane in transition, I believe, and Pat Beverly was called for his third foul. And he, he went up to Scott Foster and said, that was all ball. He pleaded his case. And as he walked away, going back to the bench, he said, oh, my God, bro. And it was just like, that's, that's a moment that you just don't hear unless you are in maybe two arenas in the NBA, three, where the seating is very close to the scores table. So just being able to hear that and, and see more clearly into the huddles, um, I brought binoculars. Uh, it, I think it was really valuable to be there in person and kind of just see these teams, you know, just work their way back into that competitive fire. Yeah, and I know Alex and I were talking uh, before you joined us just about kind of what you alluded to, the, the the level of play in the game where it kind of started, you talked about the fouls, really sloppy, kind of ugly early on. And then really in the third quarter, we kind of saw that play pick up and uh, it felt like a normal game, especially, and you talk about us watching it from on the TV perspective, it just felt like we're watching another game, high intensity. I definitely did, yeah. So, something I had talked to a lot of people about um, was how, because of the four-month break and because of the unusual circumstances of this game, I found myself, someone who, having been around this team for now two years and covered, I guess, 150 games, maybe, of Clippers, um, you know, at a certain point, you become a little desensitized, right, to the in-arena atmosphere. And you just start to take the, the production value of a live game uh, for granted. So walking into the arena last night, I really did feel like I was I had this odd sensation of seeing something I'd seen for so long from, and yet it felt like I was seeing it for the first time just because the environment was so different 
And again, the sight lines were so much clearer and dot, you could hear players talking. It was, it almost took me back to one of those, you know, the first time you enter an arena for the first time when you're a kid where you're like, whoa, what, okay, what is happening? You really felt like uh, I had to kind of take it all in, understand the surroundings because it was just so foreign. And yet the basketball itself was so familiar. It was an odd juxtaposition that took me maybe five or six minutes of the first quarter to really work through, to be like, okay, this is basketball again. This is live basketball. It's just in a way that we've never experienced it before. It was, it was odd. It has, yeah. to, it has to be a little futuristic, right? It's kind of with the virtual fans, a little bit of a, a Black Mirror feel to the whole thing as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No doubt. Just the, the atmosphere of the, the fans, it looked pretty awesome just to see that going on and stuff like that. And uh, for our standpoint, it definitely looked at virtual, realistic, you know, and um, I don't know if this is going to be something normal that's moving forward, but uh, something we just got to get used to for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, the thing that I think we're all wondering about is what Michelle Roberts, the Players Association uh, head, said on, I believe it was Wednesday to ESPN that, you know, as things stand, then we might be looking at a bubble in next season too. And I think yeah. that's what we're all trying to figure out is this seems fine for right now. And it seems like this is obviously a situation no one really wants to go back to if it can be avoided, but boy, what does 2021 look like? You know, will we have to be back in some setting like this? Is this the environment that fans will have to become used to for longer than I think we all want to? It's, wow. it's I mean, that's the billion dollar, literally the billions dollar question hanging over the NBA. Yeah. And we've already seen that kind of be thrown into question with baseball, right? You know, they the Marlins had their outbreak and they're playing in their home stadiums without fans and you know, that season is continuing, but there's a lot of question marks around if that can really work for, for that full season, which, of course, lends itself to what the NBA will have to deal with after this bubble finishes going into next year. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. There's there's so many questions about this stuff. I mean, um, like I said, I will say that in my limited interaction so far, I've been really impressed by it, but you know this isn't what anyone wants a long-term solution to be. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it was Adam Silver who said they make 40% of the revenue off of, you know, basically games happening, attendance, et cetera. So, I mean, it's, it's an obviously a, a financial uh, crater if, if they can't get fans back in the stands quickly. Um, and I just wonder, too, what it would be like to be a player and have this be a long-term situation. What, what happens when you go back to fans in the stands? That would be a odd transition. <laughs> where yeah. All of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, people can yell at me. People can, <laughs> can heck, people can heckle me. Yeah, no, it's real fans coming at you. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy uh, atmosphere. Yeah, and fans are hell- yelling at you, and you can actually see them and converse back and forth with them for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the digital you- fans are good, but they're not the real thing. They don't. There's no back and forth. Yeah, and like you said, with the with the free throws last night, you know, both teams shot it pretty well, but we know the Clippers missed a couple big ones down the stretch. And, you know, maybe it's part of that mental adjustment, like you said, with it being absolutely dead quiet in the gym compared to even when you're at home with fans. There's some ambient noise. It's got to be a little bit different for these guys. Yeah, and that was actually something that had been brought up a couple times just in my conversations and, like, the layoff. And I know other – um, you know, reporters kind of talked about similar things happening, but there was some idea or some some questions about would players who might otherwise choke up or 
uh, struggle in a pressure-packed fan environment. Could this be a, a great situation? Like, could would you might would you maybe see a, a performance from someone in a big game in the bubble that might not have been that way if everything was normal? And that's True. I don't know how you, I don't know how you test for that. I don't know how you prove for that. But I'm sure that players who know, I mean, coaches who know these players extremely well, they could probably notice a difference here or there uh, mm -hmm. based on a guy's practice habits versus how exactly. they play. Um, but it's, it's a really, I mean, that's one of, it's, it's, it's just one of the dozens of questions about this situation that we still, you know, a week into the scrimmaging game portion, we still really don't know. And it's, it's part of the fascinating nature of this experiment. Yeah. And that's funny. That's something Alex and I had talked about on the show, I think last week where we talked about, yeah, will there be a player or two that kind of step up and for whatever reason, if they're more comfortable in this environment than they would be in a traditional NBA environment, kind of show themselves and, and perform big in, in this bubble experiment. Yeah. I thought about the free throws, you know, last night it, it was, it was almost for a player you, you think, okay, well, there's no longer that, that distraction, right? Well, it, maybe it works the other way where it's almost unnervingly quiet yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, that makes you kind of reconsider. I don't know, but um, that, I don't, I don't know, you know, what the, I haven't rewatched the actual game from like the, the broadcast yet, but uh, it sounded like just from some people I talked with that it was, there was a, a good amount of fan noise throughout. And so like even in a free throw moment, is that right? Where it was audible fan noise. It wasn't quiet, was it? No, at least on the broadcast, it sounded, is it not normal, but definitely some noise coming through as if there was some kind of fan noise, whether it was the, the NBA 2K noise or whatever they said it was going to be. But you heard, you definitely heard something throughout the game. Yeah. It was mostly the commentators and stuff like that that were talking. So it was kind of hard to uh, hear anything else but the commentators talking. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of the commentators, just to give people an idea of what the arena uh, which is the name of the venue they played in last night, it looked like, you know, from I'm up kind of in a corner spot where I'm going to raise like the second deck essentially. Yeah. And uh, at mid court on the first level, uh, where I guess you could maybe have some boxes in a typical arena. That's where the announcers were, but it was really interesting to look down because they were all uh, in these plexiglass cubes. And so you'd see Reggie Miller and Kevin Harlan seated next to each other. And they were, you know, surrounded on three sides by these very tall walls. And then the, their broadcast team was next to them. And then just maybe 20 feet away, there was Steve Ballmer and there was Adam Silver sitting in their kind of raised, glassed-in area uh, because they are not part of the bubble itself. They're in my, in my tier where they're getting tested and they have access to games. So um, there were, yeah, there were more people in the arena than... I think I expected there were just, I don't know if they're photographers or staffers, but there seemed to be more um, people. I didn't quite know their role than I, than I expected, but um, it's still, it's still empty. You know, it, even with maybe 200 people there, it's still an odd, just an <laughs> odd situation. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system, a home security system that's so complicated, you never use it. That's exactly the type of system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. Simply Safe is designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24/7. Order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's that simple. 
Head to simplysafe.com slash team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash team. It feels good to fear less. Of course, we talked about the uh, the shorthanded nature for the Clippers, and you know, there's been a lot of personal tragedy for a lot of these guys with Montrose Harrell and, and Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams losing family members and friends. Uh, it, but we know also another big story. This was Lou Williams' trip to to get some wings at Magic City. Uh, what is the <laughs> what has the reaction been like from your perspective and talking to the team? I know Doc said that they were. They were disappointed, but they obviously kept that in-house. But just kind of the reaction surrounding that whole experience. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I think there's a lot of disappointment just because um, it's, it is the optics of it, right? It's um, because it's in the NBA's protocols that a player can come back and have a 10-day quarantine or even worst case, 14-day quarantine. So this was not really like the, the quarantine itself was not something that was above and beyond that would suggest a uh, punishment or anything like that. But obviously if he goes to a chain restaurant, um, like an Applebee's or something like that, let's just throw that out there. Yeah. Obviously it doesn't get the same kind of, uh, <laughs> doesn't have the same kind of reach on social media as magic yeah. city does. Yes. So I think that is where the Clippers uh, probably felt the most disappointed that it was like, it uh, even if it's Lou staying true to himself and going to one of his favorite places, yeah. it, it still invites a lot of criticism, and you know, it, it kind of makes draws into question. Okay, how seriously are people taking this concept, this bubble concept, when we all know it's very fragile in reality? Yeah. Um, this is a, the Clippers for context. This is a team that really doesn't try to draw a whole lot of attention to itself. You know, they've they've positioned themselves as the anti-Lakers, and even with their branding, saying streetlights over spotlights, we over me, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea that they would have kind of the white hot spotlight of the nation, um, you know, becoming Lou, becoming a meme, Magic, you know, Magic City trip, coming out of the wings. Um, I think that's obviously totally unwanted attention. And again, the NBA could have found any number of reasons to have him stay an additional six days in quarantine. But the fact that it was one of the most famous strip clubs in the, in the country, um, that's obviously going to heighten it. I totally agree with you. With those wings are awesome there. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you, you you have a firsthand account. Yeah, I had a firsthand account, so I know exactly those wings are awesome. Yeah, but I mean, for <laughs> from the most point, I would have. I really, when I heard the, the the news, I thought somebody brought them to him, but he actually went to go get them. So I was kind of like in awe of that standpoint. Like you could at least have somebody just bring them to you, you know. And it'd been a lot more easier. And with Very the true. strip clubs doing open right now during these times anyway, you know. But then again, it is what it is. Situation is. And, yeah. Uh, they're handling it the right way. Yeah. For both of you guys, is there any food that would be on the top of your list to to take the risk that Lou took? Oof, if that's you had a to great question. The, that is a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. You're actually in the bubble, so you have to answer this question for sure, Andrew. Um, What's you craving right now? Man, yeah, I know. Right now? Um, <laughs> right now. <laughs> You're looking at the I just, four corners. I did, I did just get some Chick-fil-A. Um, okay. So, um, gosh. I'm a big uh, crabs seafood person okay 
Well, yeah. uh, I think Joe's Crab Shack is one of the oh, companies, yeah. one of the places that the NBA has partnered with to bring food into the bubble. Okay. That's awesome. Because it's one, of, it's one of the restaurants owned by the Houston oh, Rockets I'm good, owner. Bro. I'm good. So, I'm yeah, you're, you're, you don't have to leave anywhere. I, I think <laughs> yeah. for me, I have, I have such a love for acai bowls. You know, uh, those like really good, yes. kind of like smoothie bowls with granola and uh, bananas on top. Like I could never finish that. one. <laughs> if, if if that wasn't available in the bubble and and someone suggested hey just outside you can, <laughs> i it would take i would try to find any way i could to get that to me safely and yes. to not break the rules but it wow. would that would be maybe uh my biggest my biggest kind of i think that would make me even consider changing yeah it. Well, you you might know the uh, the Rashawn Holmes route. He like what stepped one foot over the line to get his postmates and had to quarantine for an additional couple of days. No way! Oh my god! Yeah, it's, yeah. Cross the border was what the what the league said. I, I'm not sure, uh, or at least that's what he said. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know exactly the specifics of where, like, what was the, how far did he go? You know, what was the yeah. exit point? You know, um, so I, I know that. I've been doing a lot of Uber Eats out here because I just don't want to go into restaurants or, um, you know, drive-throughs I feel fairly safe with, but I, you know, I'm trying to do everything as contactless as possible. And so uh, I've been, I've been going that route. So maybe the players can, can do that. Yeah. That has to be a, a unique experience. I mean, you've already touched on it a bit of being kind of in the bubble, but able to basically be just outside of it as well from the reporter side and, knowing that the bubble itself right now seems to be one of the safest places. And then Florida surrounding it is one of the worst places with the virus. So what is that kind of contrast like for you dealing with, with both of those extremes? Yeah, there's, um, I think that there's probably because I'm being tested on Tuesdays and Fridays as part of the NBA's, you know, safety plan for, for my level of access. I think there's absolutely, um, once you get that negative test back, like I did on Wednesday night after I was tested Tuesday, there is like a, a feeling of like you've been protected by some sort of like shield or something like that. Like, oh, okay. But mm-hmm. I, I, you, it's all about vigilance and not allowing myself to, to feel as though, okay, I'm fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll be good. Because obviously we all know that I t- just because I took a test on Tuesday morning does not mean that, you know, I will continue to test uh, negative no matter the, all the precautions I take. So that is the thing that, um, I've been trying to drive home to myself, just the discipline of knowing that, yes, I'm being tested. I'm, and I know the NBA is taking this extremely um, carefully, but because of, you know, everything that's going on in Florida right now and, and the cases that are skyrocketing and have been skyrocketing continue to be, um, there's really no time where I will feel comfortable until I go back to California yeah. and test negative there. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, no question. And, and Andrew, as we move forward, obviously the, the the game against the Lakers was a big showcase in getting basketball back, but it's really, as we know, just the beginning. So the Clippers have seven more seeding games before going into the playoffs. We know that they're trying to get everyone back and healthy and, and get that continuity going. What are you looking for over these final seven games leading into the playoffs for the Clippers to kind of re-hit their stride, if you would, to get back to what we know they can be? I want to see Marcus Morris again, where his shot is. And, and that's a tricky one because he has already said that he plans to leave the bubble in September 
for the birth of his son. He has another son mm -hmm. on the way. He said he wouldn't miss the birth for the world. Mm -hmm. I applaud that. Right. Um, you know, I, I have a, a child on the way in September too, so I would not miss that for the world. So uh, if, can he get it going before he leaves to where he comes back? Maybe he still feels like he has some momentum going, feels like he's, he's on a roll a bit. I like to see him get rolling because the Clippers paid, you know, a, a pretty big price for him, you know, to get yeah. him, to get him over here. Um, I'd like to see, you know, if obviously Montrose Harrell is going to require some transitioning back into the lineup whenever he does return. So I, I want to see more from, from Noah, you know, Joe Kim Noah is one of the, the kind of the most intriguing players, I think on this roster right now, a guy who in March when he signs, is not expected to have a big on-court role because he's only about six months removed from an Achilles injury. Well, now he has four extra months where he's been healthy and he's looked a step slow at times, but also like one of the team's best passers already. And you can see the defensive instincts from 13 years in the league showing off in a lot of ways. So I love to see what he could do with, with some more minutes because again, I think that if they play, uh, Anthony Davis in the in the Western Conference Finals or in the playoffs, that he could be another matchup for him. Um, not a small piece of that lineup. I think he could be pretty important. Um, what else? I mean, I'm not too concerned about Kawhi or PG. Yeah. I think those guys, you know, I, even when Kawhi was shooting at 22 percent in the in the scrimmages, I just was not all that worried. His shot profile was very different. He was taking more than half of, of shots were all were three pointers. It's not the way it usually is. Um, so I, again, I think they're going to be rocks, but the, the role players are what's going to take this thing over the top for the Clippers or, or not take it over the top. And we all knew that, you know, it's, and last night um, they, they weren't there yeah. in, in key moments. And to your point about Marcus Morris, you obviously mentioned shooting below 30% from three as a Clipper when he was on the New York Knicks earlier this year, one of the top five three-point shooters in the NBA at well above 40%. So obviously, if he can get anywhere near that level, that would be a huge contribution for, for this club. Absolutely. And again, I think it even, even the mere threat of Marcus Morris um, being someone who would be back at that level he wasn't with New York, that is going to open up so much for Kawhi and PG and it, they can already get to their spots. There's no doubt about that. We saw it last night, but you give those guys, you get, you, you move out one more defender, just a little bit, you know, a couple, three more steps to the three point line and they have that much more room to drive. Then that's going to open up things for, for kicks, for swing passes and moving the, getting the ball movement um, and for better open looks. So I, I think they really need him to present as a, a threat as a three point shooter. Yeah, I think so as well. And, and finally, you mentioned, of course, Kawhi and Paul George. Their health has been a huge issue all year long, or at least been monitored all, all year long. And I think the four months off probably was most beneficial for, for Paul George, who, of course, had the two shoulder surgeries, was dealing with hamstring and different leg injuries throughout the year. And really throughout all the scrimmages and the game last night, he looked like the Paul George who was, you know, an MVP candidate the previous year with the Thunder. So what what have you seen from George that, that makes you think, you know, does he look fully healthy to you? And do you think that he is the Paul George that can reach his full potential? Yeah, I, I think that there's, it's, he, he's someone who, even when he's maybe at 70% is still the smoothness of his game. If you were to show that to someone who maybe didn't know, uh, hadn't, didn't watch the NBA that much, you'd think he was at a hundred percent because yeah. that it's just the style he moves at. I mean, 
I remember when he we came back in November, mid-November, some people were thinking, telling me, oh my gosh, he might already be, you know, maybe our most dangerous scoring option right now because he had those those two games where it was absurd. It was like 70 points in 40 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that he clearly, you can tell he's much more confident. And, um, oh, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yep. So. Um, he can already tell that he's more confident and just – he was taking chances and driving the lane and getting contact during the regular season. But um, he has talked so openly since he got here about how much better he feels and how the confidence wasn't all there from November until March. It was, sometimes it would come and go. Uh, I think you're going to see a guy who uh, is going to be ready to take big shots. I mean, you saw last night, they ran the play for him at the very end. Um, and, and does he, does he want that shot? Does he take that shot in March? If he's not feeling all the way confident, he clearly felt that way last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, tied the game, and then, as you said, got the got the look at the end, which was just off the mark. But I think it was a great start to the season. You said a lot to be optimistic and look forward to. And, uh, Andrew, you've done, you do such a great job covering the team and, and writing for the LA Times. We really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing some of your insight for us. Yeah, I'll be I'll be here for at least another week. So uh, if you want another view of Inside the Bubble, let's, I say let's do it again. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So uh, we'll check back in again. See, uh, hopefully the Clippers will get to full strength at that point. But Andrew, stay safe out there. And, and thanks Appreciate again. Appreciate it, Andrew. Thank yeah, you, man. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. As always, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. Uh, five stars, as always, appreciated. Also, we, you can find us anywhere else podcasts are found and at Believe.com. And, of course, basketball is back in full swing, so we have a lot to cover, finally, here on the Believe in Clippers podcast. So many more games upcoming for the Clips. They are just underway. Hopefully they can get everybody back and healthy and get into a rhythm. They take on the Pelicans on Saturday, Then they should have Lou Williams back in the fold following that. And they get back underway after that with a couple days off of the game against the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday. But NBA basketball's back, and we're here to cover it with you on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.